Amen. How, how many of you, you like to track things? Um, I, I'm noticing now with all the latest technology we have, we can really do a fine job of tracking what we do. How many of you have one of those Fitbits? Like you can track how many steps you actually take. I know some people are trying to get like to 10,000 steps. Um, you've got apps on your phone that uh, you can track things. Some of you may like, like to track your weight. So you've got a bathroom scale. Um, some of you, you've thrown that scale out the window already. Um, especially coming this time of the year, right? And then we make the, the New Year's resolution to, you know, take off all the pounds that we added through Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, we like to track everything in our cars. We, when we drive, we track, right? We track our speed limit, how fast we're going, some of you, anyways. Um, we, 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 don't want, we don't want to get a, a ticket. We have uh, apps on our phone that uh, can track things. We, we've got an app on our phone. It's called Life360. Parents, if you have teenagers, this is the best app that's ever happened in the whole history of the three gazillion apps that are out there. If you don't have Life360, you need to get it. Why? It tracks where your kids are all the time. Now this app track where your kids are all the time, but it can let me know how fast they're going in the car. So I get a little text like, hey, 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 Wesley, you're driving the minivan a little too fast. Because, oh, man, that app. And if they, take, if, if they disable the app, the car just suddenly gets disabled, right? And so we have all these apps that we can track. Now, I, I'm kind of, what's a good word I can put for this? I, I kind of get a little fanatical with tracking stuff. I, I have to admit I have a problem. So I have these certain apps. Like I like, for some reason, I just like tracking what the oil prices are. What a barrel of oil. I don't know why. I just like look because I know that it's it, it, if the oil goes up, then it means it's, it's going to reflect in gas prices. Right. So I have an app on my phone. It's called Gas Buddy. How many of you have just please make me feel good. OK. How many of you have the Gas Buddy app on your phone? Oh, good. There's like four or five other sickos like me. Good. And, and the Gas Buddy app can can show you up to date where the cheapest gas is in town. So I'm so sick that I will actually drive 20 miles out of my way to get the cheapest gas. Meanwhile, I'm using all that gas just to say, you know, and I know my wife Kathleen just gets so sick. We were coming back from a wedding yesterday, and the gas in Greece was like 237. I'm like, what's up with Ontario? 260? It's a ripoff, man. This whole thing's a scam. How can it be? Yeah, thank you. Somebody's saying preach it, right? And so I'm like, I'm so proud that I got it for 237. You know, I'm like, yeah, man, I got gas for 237 in your face, Ontario, right? So it, it's, I know it's a sickness. Um, I have, I have actually have an app that tracks Kathleen's spending, and if it, if she spends something, it goes off. And the, the, the sound. Wait a minute, before you get all crazy on me, don't judge me, okay? Okay, they're judging me. There, there's an alarm that goes off of my phone that says May Day, Aruga, Aruga. And so I know, so I shut her credit card down. I'm just teasing. I don't have that. Everybody calm down. Before I get all the hate mail, I don't have that. But you know what? Here's the thing. We measure things that are important to us. And, and over the past month, we've been tackling the question, why do we do what we do at the church? Why do we do what we do? What, what are the specific things we do here at Living Word that we see are 
important. And the question I want to dig in today is this, why do we give? What, what is, because if, if you begin to really think about the church, the church really operates on the generosity of God's people to sow into the work of God. I mean, why would we, why would we give and go on a missions trip and go thousands of, mile away, thousands of miles away to people we don't even really know to do something for them? Why would we donate to a Thanksgiving basket? Why would we buy presents? Why, would we, uh, why do we give to the church? Why, why do we do these things? What, 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 what should be the reason? Why is it important for us at Living Word that we're generous? Because throughout the scriptures, we see the importance of giving. And Jesus talks about giving and the apostles talk about giving. And the question I want to throw out at you today is this. We track all these things in our lives. But the one thing that I look at my life and my heart is, what if I had an app that tracked how generous I was? What if we could really track our generosity? And that's what I want to look at today. How do I know that I'm generous? How, how do I measure? How would I track my generosity? You know, the, the way we measure our pools you know, if you have a swimming pool, you have the, you know, your pH levels, you have the chlorine levels, the bromine levels, and, and, and you have this little test strip that you just kind of stick in there. Some of you may know this, and then you can look to see what all the levels are and if you need to add certain things and certain chemicals. What, what, what if we could measure our generosity? Would that test sting a little? That, that's what I want to dig into today, because here's, here's, here's what I want to throw out to you this morning. Here's a question. Why is giving and generosity so important to the life of the church? Why is it so important to the life of the church? And here's the reason why. The reason is this. It has everything to do with, with the spiritual nature of it all. It's this, our giving has everything to do with what's going on in here. It's what's going on in our heart. And how many know we could give and we could be generous, but we, we could do it with the wrong motives? And the reason why the Bible speaks so much, it's the reason why Jesus spent so much time about our giving. Jesus knew something very particular about each and every one of us. Jesus taught that there was a direct link between your money and guess what? Your heart. Right? There is a direct link between your money and your heart. And he knew that if he has a heart, this is the seed, this is the foundation of everything we do, is our heart. And if he knew that he had our heart, um, everything else that flows out of our heart is going to be done with the right motive. In fact, he says this in Matthew 6.21. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's... What does this mean? What, what does Jesus mean when he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now you see the link between treasure and our heart. So I'll, I'll do this, my wallet. There's not much in there because I have a 16-year-old daughter. So here's my, I go, why are you going in our bedroom again? Oh, Dad, can I, okay. So here it is. Go to your mother. No, here you go. So here, direct link, here's, our treasure, and then our heart. He, there, there's this chain. How many of us know that? There's this direct link that Jesus is talking about between this and this. 
And so let me break down what Jesus is saying here. Because treasure in the original language of the, the, the New Testament written in the Greek is this word thesaurus. That, that's, the, that's the Greek word for, for treasure. And it literally means a deposit or wealth or all your possessions. So that's what he, when he talks about your treasure, he's talking about the deposit, your wealth, your possessions. Now the word heart here is a Greek word, cardia, which Jesus was not speaking about our physical heart, but it, it actually, when the Bible speaks of your heart, it's speaking of the seat of your desires, your affections. Everything that's about you is cardia. Everybody say cardia. Cardia, you just learned a new Greek word there, okay? You can impress all your friends now at Thanksgiving. So what Jesus is saying here is this. Where your deposit is, where your wealth is, your heart will be directly linked to that. So let's get this right because we can misquote this verse because it doesn't matter. Uh, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will follow. He's saying, no, 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 no. It's, it's where your treasure is. That's where your heart will follow. So let, let's get this right. Now, now, some of you, some of you may have been in love with somebody. And, and, and maybe you can think back to a past person that you liked. And you were dating this person. And, and maybe for some of you ladies, you thought, man, this, this guy, he really, he really, he really loves me. And, and you thought that he had your heart. He would say things, you know, in like a Barry White voice. Like, hey, baby, I can't get enough of your love, baby. You know, and this, you know. So I have a good Barry, Barry White voice in the mornings. I like, you know, hey, baby, can't get enough of your love, baby. Right? So he does this very nice Barry White voice. And you're like, oh, this guy really has got my heart. But then he doesn't spend a cent on you. He tells you he loves you, but he doesn't spend a cent on you. You know what he is? He's just cheap. That's all. He doesn't have your heart. He's just, he's just cheap. So, so here's, what, here's what Jesus is saying. He says, wherever your money is, your heart's going to follow. So if you have money in the stock market or in one company, guess what? You're going to want to know how that company is doing because you have an investment in that company. It's funny, Lily, <laughs> Lily, she... Um, I have a car, I've, I have a Honda Pilot, I love the car, we got it last year, and she calls it my baby, because it's the one little sanctuary that I can keep clean. So when she gets in there, you know, she puts her dogs up on the, on the dashboard, and so I go, get your feet, you know, and I go, do that in mom's car, you know, mom's car has 180 billion miles on it, everything's falling apart, just, you know, you guys tear that thing apart, throw stuff, and I'm always cleaning things up, just, it's my one little sanctuary, right, and we all know, and then all of a sudden, when you get a car, how many notice when you get a car, you notice all the other cars that are like your car when you're driving around? Right? You never noticed that before, but all of a sudden, like, you notice that particular vehicle. Like, when, when my pilot, when all the shingles came off the church in the windstorm back in March, they all landed on my car. All the shingles on the church, it's literally, and just in a second, I'm like, what just happened? And I'm like, the shingles just landed all on the car, and it was just, just all scraped up, so I had to get it fixed, and so... Um, the, the people at the rental place said, do you want a, a, a little teeny car or a Jeep Wrangler? I said, let me pray about it. Jeep Wrangler. So I said, that's, that was no. And so we got to drive around a Jeep Wrangler for like six weeks. That was cool. I'm just saying, I just felt cool. 
driving around a Jeep Wrangler. Those of you have a Jeep Wrangler, you're just cool. I, let's just admit, you buy it because you want to be cool. So I, then you all notice all the Jeep Wranglers. And what's, what I notice about driving a Jeep Wrangler, there's like this little secret society of Jeep Wrangler people because they actually waved at me. Dude. Dude. Hey, how you doing? I'm like, they don't do that when we're in our Honda Odyssey. Guys like me are going like this. Oh my gosh, I'm driving a Honda Odyssey. I'm so embarrassed. You know, you pull up next to a guy and you're like, he's my age. You're like, yeah, I know. We're both in a Honda Odyssey. We got pilot. Okay, we got minivans. Okay, what are you going to do? It's just not cool. But you begin to notice those things. Why? Because our heart follows those things. Now, so the question is, does, does God need our money? Absolutely not. Of course not. But what does God want? He wants your heart. Jesus is on to something here, and, and we all know it. I, I heard a pastor say it this way, and I love it. I, th- I think it's well said. He said, Christ will never have your heart until you put your treasure where he is. You'll never have your heart until you put your treasure where he is. This is something, I'm going to be personal with you here, that I had to learn. Why is this so important? Because Jesus wants us to understand the connection between our money and worship. There's a connection here between this and this and our worship. And so he wanted to make sure we understood correctly about what it truly means to be generous. Now, some of you may feel this way. You say, man, I just, pastor, I just feel far away from God. I come to church. I see others and they seem so passionate about God. See, the difference is, I believe, is that their treasure is here. We come together to worship God. We give to God. We minister to each other. Our heart is here. And so let me get personal here because I can remember when I was about in my 20s and, and I, I, this teaching radically changed the way I looked at my stuff, my treasure, and my income. And there were two main verses that were spoken that I just, I was like, wow, I never saw it that way. I, I get it now. And here are the two verses. The first verse, these are Old Testament verses, but the first verse is in 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 12. And it says this, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in heaven and on earth is whose? Whose? The Lord's. Oh, Lord, for this is your kingdom. Notice how many times it says yours, yours. Yours is the kingdom. This is yours. Everything on earth is yours. And we, are, we adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from who? From you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hands. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. The other verse that was very insightful to me and just changed my heart and the way I looked at at giving and generosity was Deuteronomy 8, verses 17 through 18. And God is one reminding the children of Israel as he's bringing them out of 400 years of bondage of Egypt and he's going to take them in the promise. And he wants to remind them, listen, I'm your source, period. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and to confirm his covenant, which he swore to you, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Here is the principle that changed my heart, that got me to realize who's really in control of my life and specifically of my treasures. And if you can get this, it is going to set you free. 
If you're young here today, it will set you free for your future. For those of you that are older here today and you're still wanting to be in control of everything and control your money, this will set you free. Understand this principle because this is what we grab out of these two verses, out of these two passages. God is the owner. God is the owner. And what am I? I'm the manager. God is what? Let's all say it together. God is the? And I am the manager. So he owns everything. Everything that's been given to me, whether small or great, it's not the amount, right? It's what's been entrusted to us. And that's where we get it wrong because we think, well, when I've been entrusted a whole lot, then I'll learn how to manage. No, it's not about that. It's about what is good. Whatever you have, whatever's been entrusted to you, we need to be good stewards because God ultimately is the owner. Whether it's a penny in my pocket or a million dollars in the bank, it doesn't matter. How am I stewarding what God has given me? Everybody say amen. Okay. So here's what we need to understand. Is why is giving and generosity so important to Christ? And why does he talk about it so often? And the question I need to ask myself is, how am I doing with what God has given me? So here's what we need to understand about the heart of God. At the heart of God, at the core of God's character is generosity. Our God is a giver. Amen. He gives and gives and gives, and we don't deserve it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son to us. God gives to us. God gives to us over and over and over again. And I bet... If I were to ask each and every one of you the most touching times that came in your life, I bet it came from an act of generosity. I bet if you could think back over your life and think to yourself, when was the time that I just felt someone's overwhelming generosity in my life? It was a time that you were going through some, something and someone just gave to you. Maybe someone helped you pay a bill or, or some unexpected, uh, someone unexpectedly gave money to you and um, this is one of the reasons why I like, I like that we do these different outreaches into our community because the people that we delivered to yesterday were so thankful for the Thanksgiving basket. And one family was just going through a difficult time, job loss, and just, it was very humbling. It's, he even said to me, because this is very humbling to me, he was just, this gentleman was so gentle and he was so thankful. And he goes, how did you know, or how did this, and we were explaining to how, how things come about and got to pray with this man and God is so generous to us. And isn't it amazing how he works through people to show his generosity to us for Kathleen and me. It definitely was definitely a time after we lost our first child. And you know, there was medical bills and funeral costs and all this other, other things. And, and Kathleen, I talk about this all the time. It, it, it's, how many of you, it's hard for you to receive sometimes? See, it's easy to be on the giving side, but when there's a humility that comes to say, I'm hurting and, and I need you. And I think, listen, I think this is what stops us from really knowing Jesus at times. Because we want to be in control of our lives. And, and Jesus, you, you're not as in control as you think you are. And until you get to the point to where you can receive from me everything I've done for you and that your salvation has nothing to do with you. I didn't come because you were good. I came because I love you and you needed a savior. How many know that's a humbling thing to admit that we need a savior? 
It's a humbling thing to admit that we're not as in control as we think we are. And when we can get to the point in our lives where we realize that, that's when everything changes. And so when we receive from somebody and somebody wants to do something for us, it's a humbling thing. I remember at the first church that I was a youth pastor in 28 years ago, <laughs> there was this one older lady, her name was Sister Perry. And she was this, um, she, she was all Italian. And I love Sister Perry. And she would always be, she would always come down to the front before church and just pray. And she'd always pray for me. And she's just a beautiful lady. And I remember she didn't have anything, nothing. She was a, a widow and she just didn't have a lot of money. She lived on very... Uh, meager income and just such a blessing to our church. But she would come to me once a month and what she would do is she would fold up a $20 bill into a little square and she would shake my hand. She'd go, Pastor, come here. I got something for you. And I'm like, what, what, what sister? I got, I got something for you. And so she'd shake my hand and in the palm was a $20 bill. And I can remember, I'm like, I'm like, Sister Perry, I can't take your money. Because I, I, I knew what she was going through and, and I knew that it was just, and I remember one time she scolded me how many know when an old Pentecostal Italian woman scolds you, you begin to listen. You're like, oh, boy. Okay. She looked at me and she goes, don't rob God's blessing. Don't rob it. And what she taught me was humility. See, I didn't want to take it because I'm like, I'm okay. We're doing good. You know, you need it more. She goes, no. When God tells me to do something, I do it, and you need to shut up and take it. Okay, Sister Perry, you got okay. I'd, okay, you know. Faithfully, every month until she died, she would bless Kathleen and I with that $20. She got generosity. See, it's in those times, that was 28 years ago and I never forgot it. I just didn't forget it. See, it's a humbling thing when we have to receive sometimes, but God says, let me bless you, receive it, because everything comes from me. See, generosity comes from a changed heart. It's a life that says, I have to give in response to what Jesus did for me. And so here... Here's what I want you to understand, what Jesus wants to understand, because I, I believe it's just basically just two things. It's, it's this. It's giving breaks the tie that money has on our hearts. It's so important. When we give and we're generous, it breaks the tie that, that this treasure may have on our heart. And the second thing I want you to see is that giving is literally at the heart of the gospel message. It's literally at the heart of the gospel message. And so what, what, what is the gospel message? Well, it's basically Jesus came. He gave his life for us as an offering for our sins. And by faith, through grace, we're saved through God's, by, uh, from God's judgment. That's the good news, that we didn't earn it, deserve it, merit it. God came for sinners. That, that's at the heart of the gospel message. So when I understand the grace and mercy which God pours out on me, my life now becomes this conduit that says, I can't bottle up this grace in my life and just keep receiving from God and receiving God and not being able to give out. When I truly understand the grace by which I'm saved, the response has to be generosity. That's why an older saint like Sister Perry would bless me. 
because it came out of a heart that was saved through God's grace. That's why I showed you the video at the beginning, because I think it did an excellent job of showing what's at the heart of giving. And I just want to read to you from the video we saw at the beginning, because it comes out of 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 9, about the Macedonian church. And let me just read it to you, because I love, this is, this church in Macedonia, the church in Macedonia, got gospel giving, and this is what I want to finish with today. It says this. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia, that they're being tested by many troubles and they are very what? They're poor, but they're filled with what? Abundant joy. Wait a minute. What is going on here? Why are they poor and filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in what? Rich generosity. And here's what Paul's saying. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but, f- f- but far more. They did, they did it on their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem who were hurting, who were persecuted. Paul didn't bother them. He was bothering the Corinthian church because they should have gave. And he asked them to give and they weren't following through. But he said the Macedonian church had nothing to give. But Paul said they're giving and they're begging us to give because they got something. They even did more than we had hoped for the first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. And so we urged Titus, we encouraged your giving in the first place to the Corinthian church. Hey, start giving. And to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in what? This gracious act of giving, this, this grace giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. And you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. Grace giving, the gospel message, gospel giving, grace giving. Though he was rich for our sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. See, what gospel giving is this? Gospel giving is in response to the grace that has been given to us. And that's what Paul witnessed in the Macedonian churches. Gospel giving is in response to the grace that's been given to us. See, here's what gospel giving understands. Gospel giving understands this. A heart changed by God's grace will not ask how much I should give. A heart changed by God's grace will ask how much can I give? Read that again. A heart changed by God's grace will not ask, how much should I give? A heart changed by God's grace will ask, how much can I give? That was at the heart of the Macedonian churches. There was an interesting article in the New York Times. And basically it said this. It said, the more money you make, the less you gave. People who made $25,000 or less on average gave 4.2%. Those who made $75,000 or more gave on average 2.7%. Why? The more the amount or the larger the amount, the harder it was to give. That's why John D. Rockefeller, the wealthiest man in American history, said this, and I quote, I would have never been able to tithe off the first million dollars I ever made if I never tithed off my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. You get what's happening here? See, we all wait for the day. Well, I'll wait till I, mm-mm. God has entrusted into your hand with what he's given you now, not what will be. What are you doing? How are you being generous with what God has given you now? 
See, the way I break greediness is to place Christ in the center of my life. Because we understand that the richest generosity often comes out of the deepest poverty. See, here's what gospel, let me finish with this. Because we have a baptismal service and I promised I'd get done early. So I'm going I'm to hold to my promise here. But let me finish with this. You, you've got to give out a response to, to how you've been changed by Christ. So listen to this. Here's what gospel giving does. When I see that I was spiritually bankrupt before God, and now through his grace, I am no longer in debt. What flows from my life now is this overwhelming sense of joy, gratitude, and generosity for what Christ has done for me. Amen. That's why Paul used the Macedonian churches as his example to the, to the churches, to the Corinthian churches. They understood grace giving. See, when Jesus is my treasure, guess what my heart's going to follow? Jesus wants you to be his treasure. See, what I love about the quote from Rockefeller is this. He didn't wait. He started when he had basically nothing because God grabbed his heart with the dollar fifty. So my question to you here today, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to dunk some people. So I want you to stay. If you can stay, uh, we'll do it right after service. Stay, and, and it's going to be in the gymnasium, and we're going to celebrate uh, those lives that have been given to Jesus Christ and, and celebrate baptism. So we'd love for you to stay and hang out with us and celebrate. But here's the question I want to ask you as we just finish. Where's my heart today? I want you to think about your giving and your generosity and track that with me for just a minute. Where, where, is, where is my giving? And here, here's the reason why here's the reason why I think God says I want to have this portion of your income that you give to me. It really is a lordship issue. I believe when God spoke to the Israelites and he says, listen, I want the first of your week. I want the first of your income. I want this because it was recognizing that God, you are first in my life. You're first in my life. And if, and if we can give the control up to God with our finances, we're saying, Lord, you're ultimately in control. And I want you to recognize that you are first in my life. The first portion that you set aside, Paul said, that you think about, that set aside what the Lord has laid in your heart to give to the Lord. I just believe, listen, everybody gets all hung up on tithing. Oh, is it Old Testament? And everybody's like, and when I say, yeah, it is like, right? Phew! But can I ask you a question? The wisdom and the knowledge that we have today about God's grace and what he's done for us that, that maybe the Old Testament people didn't have, do you think God would ask us to give less? I'm just saying, just saying. Back, back, right? I'm just saying. I think those are training wheels. I think it's a starting point. I don't want anybody to get legalistic about it, but does God have your heart? That's all I'm saying. God, take my heart in the way I give. And so what this begins to do, when I understand generosity, 
I begin to ask questions about everything in my life, about my finances. Lord, I want to give this to you. Lord, let's think about this. Let's pray about this. Um, How can we be better used in this area to, to give to you? That's all I'm saying. Let God take control of your life and let it flow. Let it flow. Not from compulsion, because God says, listen, I love a hilarious giver, a joyful giver. That the, the Macedonians were joyful to give because they were sowing into the kingdom of God. They were giving to the Lord out of what Christ had done in their heart. Let, let that be the source of your giving. And guess what? Your giving will be joyful. You'll want to be a generous giver. And I know, listen, this was an area that I struggled with and struggled with about this control of money because, you know, it's just, I'm cheap. I, the birds call my name all the time. Cheap, cheap, right? Telling the kids, you know, we, we keep the heat on at 50 degrees in our house. You know, no, I'm just uh, teasing. You think I'm a horrible person, by the way. Stop judging me, okay? You're all saying, we're going to fast and pray for Kathleen. God bless her. So this is a struggle that many of us have in our lives. It's a control thing. Let, let the grace of God overflow in your life today as you give to him. So let me pray for you. And, and let's stand today and let's just dedicate our hearts to the Lord today and, and ask God just to take control of this and, and ask God, Lord, is there an area in my life that, 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 that you need to take control? So let's just pray. Let's just ask God to take control in this area. Lord, we want to thank you for everything you've done for us. And as we just close this time together and as we prepare to go into the baptismal service, Lord, we just, I just pray that, God, you would grab our hearts to, to allow us to see what a generous God you are. That every single one of us was spiritually bankrupt. There is no way we could have ever saved ourselves. But because of your mercy and grace, you saved us out of the mire, out of the mud. And you cleaned us up, Jesus. You set us free. May the grace and mercy that was poured out upon us, may we now become conduits of your grace and mercy as we live it out in the world, as we allow you to be generous through us. And Lord, may we do it with joy because of what you've done for us. Let us be gospel givers, not out of compulsion or that we have to, but we want to because of what Christ did for us. So may you take control of that area of our life, God. I thank you for just who you are and everything you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for living word. And I just pray that, Lord, we would just continue to be a generous church. And may it just flow from our hearts because of what Jesus did for us. Not any glory to us, but may it all go to you, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. We so don't deserve it. But thank you for loving us in spite of our failures. You're a good God and you're a gracious God. I just pray as we go into the, the baptismal service as we baptize those that have given their hearts and lives. May we celebrate new life. That's what it's all about. We celebrate new life, new creations, and Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. And we know that when a sinner's come home, there is a celebration in heaven with the angels. So we are celebrating new life today. We love you. We thank you. God, continue to well up inside of us rich generosity in response to what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
Amen. Let's just thank the Lord for his word today. He's good. He's generous. He's good to us. All right. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great day. Join us in the gym if you can stay.